This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine, and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Uh, Hello everyone, my name's Amy and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions, or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives were improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest, Amy. Amy, I wonder if you could introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are, maybe starting with your age. 
Sure. I'm Amy. I'm an alcoholic and I'm 38 years old. Thanks. And how long have you been sober for? I just celebrated my eighth birthday last week. Excellent. And what do you do for a job, Amy? Uh, at the moment, I'm a kitchen hand mm-hmm. at um, a cafe in Brighton. Lovely. And are you married? Do you have any children? I have one daughter. She's 22. And uh, not married, no. You don't look old enough to have a 22. I'm not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped there. <laughs> and and um, I wonder if you could give us a bit of background in terms of your childhood and, and where you grew up and, mm. and what was the, what that was like for you. Uh, yep, sure. So um, I had a, a father who was very controlling. He was um, a sergeant major in the army. Right. And then he left the army, went in the railways and... Uh, mum divorced him um, and I wasn't kept safe um, unfortunately um, I was raped at seven years old and it was sort of swept under the carpet and it wasn't talked about and um, so I grew up with my father um, he's sort of told my mother well you can go you're not taking your kids <laughs> and um Oh, haven't talked about this for a long time. <laughs> Pretty heavy. <laughs> uh, long story short, I um, ended up leaving my dad's house when I was about 14, 15 and living with my mother. And she didn't know what to do with me. I was always irritable, discontent and um, didn't know what was wrong with myself. Yeah. So, Amy, I wonder if you could tell us about um, how you started drinking and how, how it pro- progressed. So can you tell us about your first drink? Yep, my first drink. I remember it at two years old, having a can, picking up Dad's can and, and thinking, like, oh, that's adult stuff. And then another one, my cousin and I sat in the middle of the hallway because the adults were partying and we had a um, a bottle of beer and, um, you know, a great big one out of the crate, a crate bottle and um, we were sharing it. Right. <laughs> and then um, when I was about 11, I um, ended up taking my dad's booze and my drink bottle to uh, intermediate. Wow. Yeah, just slowly. You know, it just it was a slow progression. Yeah. So how did you drink when you did drink? Was it socially alone, binge mm-hmm. drinking, daily drinking? What was it like? The first time I was allowed to actually have a drink and go get drunk with my friends, I bought a cask of wine. I got my friend's mum or whatever it was to, um, I remember we were only for like 14 and we had a party and everyone there would have like one or two drinks and I drank the whole cask. Wow. And just was absolutely sloshed and asleep on the tramp. <laughs> right. And Trampoline. Uh, when, when did you realise that... Um, that you needed help, that the way that you drank was problematic? Oh, I tell you, I always knew I was different. Um, I always knew I drank different too. Um, I couldn't get enough. From like the age of, as soon as I started drinking, I thought, oh. But, you know, I ignored it, totally ignored it, yeah, yeah. F- for many years. So um, roughly 16 yeah. So did you lose jobs and relationships and things like that because of the way that you drank? Yes, I did. So basically when I was 15 years old, I got pregnant with my daughter um, and I had her at 16. Uh, now, they put me in Kennedy detox unit at 16 years old for marijuana. Right. I oh, know. 
And um, basically it just, uh, that's when I was exposed to AA though. Right. Which was a good thing. Um, but I was also exposed to uh, a lot of other ways right. to drink and drug. Right. And carry on, yeah. So from 16. Mm. You must have been the youngest person there by far, surely. I was 16. the youngest person yeah. by far, <laughs> yeah. So um, can you describe your rock bottom? I've had many. Right. Uh, but the absolute, when I gave up drinking, yep. was uh, when I was 30 years old and I had a brain aneurysm and a stroke from my drinking and drugging and I ended up in Burwood Brain Injury Rehabilitation Unit. Um, I'd had brain surgery twice. First time didn't work. The second time, because uh, it, it didn't work and I had a stroke and then I, you know, by the grace of God, I... Um, had more surgery and it was okay, you know, but I still couldn't walk or talk or anything. Um, and when I went to the brain injury rehabilitation unit, it was like, um, I rem- just remember being in the hospital bed and I just cried out and said, God, if you're real, help me, you know, and I will serve you forever. Well, he kept his end of the bargain, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find your way to your first AA meeting? Well, like I said, um, my very first AA meeting was when I was 16. Um, unfortunately, I was a perfect relapser for 15 years because I just kept trying to think that I could drink like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I couldn't. I couldn't. Okay. So when you went back to AA when you were around 30, how was that first meeting for you? Um, I actually started attending AA properly when I was about 33, mm-hmm. uh, 34. Um, I went on a date with a guy who was an NA. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I ended up at an NA meeting right. and um, I didn't find much wellness in the room. Right. And so I knew that the problem always started with alcohol. Yeah. So um, I just went off my own back to AA meetings. Yeah. And uh, best decision I ever made. Did you feel welcomed when you walked in? How how was it? I did feel welcomed. Um, And I was the most important person in the room, you know, being at my first proper meeting. Yeah. (laughs) So how have you managed to stay sober? You said you've you've been sober for eight years. Mm. How can you describe the process of recovery? Sure. So every day I say a prayer um, before I get out of bed. Or when I get out of bed. When I get out of bed, I say thank you as I put my feet on the ground. And I say a quick prayer. Um, I don't pick up the first drink, you know, because then I can't get drunk. Yeah. Funny that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the simple things. Keep it simple, you know. The slogans are true. Yeah. First things first. I look after me. Yeah. Um, So that's it in a nutshell. So how do you cope with difficulties? I ring my sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I ring my sponsor in AA. Yeah. Yeah, somebody that is there to guide me. Yeah. Um, so grateful for a sponsor. Yeah. A well sponsor, you yeah. know. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And how important has service been as a part of your recovery? Really important. Um, currently, I work at the AA Service Centre. Uh-huh. So cool. on a Thursday, I volunteer my time from 10 till 2, mm-hmm. just to give back, you know, what I've got. Mm. Nice. So how would you describe yourself and the life that you have today? Well, myself, 
Oh, an independent person who doesn't rely on drugs or alcohol to get through a day. Yeah. Who pays their bills, who has insurance. Hello, <laughs> you know. <laughs> who has a car that's got more than $5 petrol in it. Um, blessed. I yeah. describe myself as blessed. And, um, but there's so much more for me to, to gain. And I'm really excited about my future. Yeah. And how's your life changed since you've become sober? With the steps, I've learned how to accept my part in it and accept the part that wasn't mine. See things as they are, um, not as my head tells me that they are. Right. So I work the program. That's how it's, it's helped me. Um, but yeah, the, it's the program itself that has actually um, helped me get through a daily, you know, the daily things. Yeah. Um, and what about your relationships? What are they like today with like friends, family, loved ones compared to mm. how they were when you were drinking or drinking as well, drugging? Um, wow. Well, the big big one for me and my family is um, my daughter. See, while I was drinking and drugging, I gave her to her great-grandparents to raise at the age of three, four years old, because I didn't want her to be brought up around it. And um, they, they said to me, Amy, would you like us to take her? And I said, yes. But unfortunately, my illness progressed, as we say. Yeah. And um, I got worse and worse. And I'd turn up smelling like booze and things like that. And um, they cut my access. Right. Which was good now that I see it in the big picture. Yeah, I bet you didn't at the time, though. No, of course not. Yeah. But um, it was all done through the family, not SIFs or anything like right. that. So, um and today she's actually moving in next week, you know. So, um, because I've changed, it's taken me, it's taken her, our relationship, eight years, to actually her feel safe enough to come home. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So, what about the relationship with her great grandparents now? That well, she doesn't have one with them. I don't know what's happened there. Do you know what? I kept out of it. Yeah. I kept out of it because they weren't my parents. They were, or my grandparents, they were her father's grandparents. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's like God has sorted out everything for us. Yeah. Um, but how good for your daughter that she's now got a, you know, a relationship that works with I you. Know. Yeah. I'm so excited and I'm nervous and it's going to be like, oh. So when was the last time she lived with you? Was when, she when she was little. Right. Three, four years old. Wow. Yeah. And she's 22. Yeah. That's amazing. That's exciting. Yeah, that's so cool. So now what about what about your goals for the future? Where are you sort of, I what have, do you want? Yeah, I have a bit of a five-year plan going on. Cool. Are you yeah. going to share it with us? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, next year, uh, the 22nd of February, I'm already uh, booked in at Utter. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be studying wellness and relaxation massage. Great. Do that for a year so that I can actually have my own business at home. Nice. So then I don't have to have flatmates and, yeah, things like that. <laughs> oh, how cool. Mm. So AA is described as a spiritual program. Mm. What does spirituality mean to you? Well, I have a God of my understanding. And, um, you know, uh, for me, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. <laughs> through and through but um yeah I don't know really how to answer that question it's a really personal question sure yeah what about um 
how spirituality differs from religion. How would you describe that? Yep, sure. So religion is man-made <laughs> because it's uh, basically rules that say if you follow this, you'll go to heaven. And spirituality is like a, um, it's something that you choose to have faith in, yeah, in a nutshell. That's sort of how I would describe it. And what does a life lived on a spiritual basis look like to you? (sighs) Monday night AA big book study. (laughs) (laughs) Thursday night city steps. (laughs) And church on a Sunday. Yeah. I walk in and everyone knows my name and it's about connection. Yeah. Well, that's that's what they say is the opposite of um, of addiction. It's not sobriety, it's connection. It's connection, yeah. I feel connected. That's so cool. What would you suggest to any listeners who think they may have a problem? What, What, a drinking problem, what advice would you give to somebody? Get to a meeting. Just get to a meeting. Reach out for help. And if you keep falling over, just keep keep going back. Yeah. Um, it, w- don't leave before the miracle happens. Because I didn't, and I found my miracle yeah. after 15 years of keep coming back, relapsing, keep coming back, relapsing. So, yeah. So are you describing your ability to stay stopped as your miracle? Yes. Yes. When I finally got the program. So what do you think was the difference before and then at the point where you got it? What what was the difference for you? Surrender. Complete surrender. Complete, I'm done. When you're done, you're done. Yeah. So what questions would you ask somebody to help them decide if they whether they need help or not? Well, I think that um, only the person asking for help can really... No, yeah, if they've got a problem. So I don't know. I'd ask them. I don't want to know how, how what they drink, you know, or I just want to know if it's ruining their lives. Right. Are they destroying their families? That's when you know that you've got a real problem. Yeah. Are you paying your bills? You know, can you live a life like a normal person? Yeah. That's If you can't do those things, then you've got a problem. Yeah. That's a real alcoholic, I think. Yeah. Cool. Amy, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or you'd like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up at the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on Plains FM at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to stop, we can help. And you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change.
the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.